0: All right, a couple of things I got to get going here. First of all, I'm going to turn my mic on. Got to do that. All right. All right. We'll try it again here. All right. Then, once I turn my mic on, all you ladies get cold up here and you mess with my powerful air conditioner up here. All right. So, uh, we're going powerful mode this morning. Amen. <laughs> And uh, get that thing going on up there, so no it's okay, I guess some of y'all are um you get a little cold okay there see there's the door opening it's coming on amen. <laughs> All right, very good. Let's take our Bibles this morning, and uh, we're going to uh, start in Psalms chapter 33. Psalms chapter 33, very famous psalm here, especially one particular verse in this psalm. And so this will be our text uh, for our message this morning. So if you find your place, stand with me together as we read this, Psalms chapter 33. And I'm going to uh, begin reading in verses, verse 1. We'll read down, of course, through verse 12. The Bible says, "...rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp, sing unto him with psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song, play skillfully with a loud noise." For the word of the Lord is righteous I'm sorry, for the Lord of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them, by the breadth of his mouth, he gathereth the waters of the sea together as in heap, he layeth up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught, he maketh the devices of the people of none effect, the counsel of the Lord standeth forever, and the thoughts of his heart to all generations, here's our text first this morning, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance let's pray lord we love you today uh, lord we sure are thankful to you god for all you do for us particularly for allowing us to live in this great country lord that we call home and lord as we uh look at some things this morning i pray that you'd speak to our hearts god i pray that you would help us encourage us and lord help us uh most importantly uh to be the people uh that uh, number one you would have for us to be and the number two that our nation needs for us to be and lord we love you and we thank you for it In jesus name we pray amen thank you May May be seated. As I was uh, preparing the message for this morning, uh, I don't normally uh, have this much trouble preparing a message. Uh, usually, the Lord, uh, uh, you know, ahead of time, even weeks ahead of time, sometimes months ahead of time, uh, you know, uh, allows directs me as far as what to preach. Uh, but man, uh, this week I would I'll be honest with you, I was having problems coming up with the message this morning. I w- I would go one direction. I would uh, I, w- I was in one passage and I was studying in it and meditating upon it, and and the Lord was beginning to show me truth. And so then it's almost like God shut the spout off, and that wasn't the direction. So I started going another direction, found another passage. The scripture and begin studying that, and and I got a little ways into that, and then man, the Lord shut the spout off. I and mean, I'll be honest with you, I, I was a little frustrated. I'm like, God, what do you want me to preach this morning? Here it is Saturday afternoon, and I don't have my message together yet. And then I begin uh, looking and and, uh, and sometimes I do this. I'll scan what I previously preached in the past because you know I don't want to. I want to keep things fresh. I want. I don't want to just preach something just because of, I've already prepared it. But then I began looking and I come across a message that I preached four years ago. And the title of that message was this, Why I Love America. And I began looking through that and, and began to um, look at that message and, and go back through it. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes it's easy to look at the problems of America, amen, and look at the things that we are dealing with, that we look at as, that is, you know, what we don't like, things that we affect us in a negative way. And if we're not careful, we can get a negative attitude about things, and that thought began to permeate my heart a little bit. And uh, so, here's the message this morning that I want to preach to you. Uh, it's entitled "This Why Why I Still Love America," Why I Still Love America. And, folks, I'm going to tell you something. I understand where we're at. Amen. Understand as far as from a Bible prophecy perspective, uh, we are living in the last of the last days. I understand that. And I don't think there's, uh, any doubt of that whatsoever as you look at that, what Jesus said things would be. I mean, we've been preaching on that. The days of Noah, the days of Lot. And I understand that. And I understand if it's, you know, uh, we see these things and we know the Bible says things are going to wax worse and worse the closer we get to the end of those th- And I understand that understand the things that we're seeing happen in our nation right now underneath ungodly leadership and the direction that our country seems to be going. But you know what, folks? Even through the midst of all that, I still love America. I still love America. And you know what? I want to, through this message this morning, I want to inspire, and I think it's already there. I'm sure it is. But maybe not just to inspire for the first time, but re-inspire within your heart a love for this great country God has allowed us to live in. Uh, Throughout the Scripture, it's plain to see that God chose the nation of Israel to be His people. A people that experienced Him in a way that very few people as a whole ever got to experience the God of heaven. A nation when they were obedient to God were the recipients of His blessing and bountifulness on which He showed favor and goodness. And man, I love reading through the Old Testament and reading all the things that God did for His chosen people, Israel. No doubt God chose the nation of Israel to be His people. Fast forward into the future some 3,600 years and you find something else taking place. Something which no doubt had the provision and protection of Almighty God. It began with the group of people that we consider or, or, or history tells us and we read about and we refer to them as the pilgrims who for the purpose of religious liberty left England to pursue the right and freedom to worship God without fear of persecution. Some 100 people set sail from England on that famous ship known as the Mayflower in September of 1620. That November, that ship landed on the shores of Cape Cod in present-day Massachusetts. When those uh, uh when those pilgrims landed, they wrote something known as uh, the Mayflower Compact. And here is part of what that said. It said in the name of God, Amen. We whose names are underwritten, the loyal subjects of our dread, sovereign Lord King James by the grace of God of Great Britain, France, and Ireland, King, defender of the faith, having undertaken for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith. Did you hear that, by the way? For the advancement of the Christian faith. And the honor of our King and country, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia. You see, folks, from our early history, before we were ever established as an official nation, our roots were found in God and the Word of God all throughout our history. So yes, God chose Israel as His nation to be His people. But when it came to the founding of this new nation, America chose God. And you know what? I want to give you some reasons this morning of why I still love America Number one, I still love America because of the price that was paid. The price that was paid. I just encouraged you a few moments ago as we sang our national anthem. By the way, we stood for our national anthem. Amen? That's the way every American who loves this country ought to do. By the way, if you don't stand for the national anthem, in my book, you don't love America. I don't care what you say. I don't care uh, what you supposedly are, are uh, uh, uh cause you're trying to show. Let me tell you what true patriots, what true lovers of America do. They respect the flag. Amen? Amen. And they stand when uh, allegiance is paid to that flag. I don't know what you felt in your heart when we sang that. When we sang those wonderful songs, America the beautiful, a beautiful for spacious skies. But when I hear those songs and see that flag... I can't help but thank the price it was paid for us to live in this great land and enjoy all those things that we enjoy living in in the good old U.S. of A. Amen? That red on that flag means something, by the way. It means something. It represents the blood that was shed for this country to be what it is. We just talked about the pilgrims that came here in 1620 in search of a place of religious freedom. You realize more than half of the English settlers died during the first winter? As a result of poor nutrition and housing that provided an advocate in the harsh weather, more than half of them died. And if you read the founding, let me tell you something. They paid a great price to come here and establish uh, what is known as present day America. If you look down through all the wars that America has been involved in, you know what you find in those wars? You find blood that was shed. During the American Revolutionary War, which of course is what we're celebrating as far as our independence from and uh, our independence from from England, of course, over 25,000 Americans gave their lives during that war. The War of 1812, 15,000 Americans gave their lives. The Mexican-American War, 13,283. The Great Civil War that almost rent this country apart, 655,000 Americans gave their lives. The Spanish American War, 2,446. The Philippine American War, 4,196. World War I, 116,516 Americans gave their lives. World War II, 405,399 Americans gave their lives. The Korean War, 36,516. The Vietnam War, 58,209. The war in Afghanistan, 2,216. The Iraqi War, 4,497. And in present operations, uh, there's, there's been around 100, of course, just ones we know about that have given their lives. That is a total of over 1.3 million Americans that have shed their blood for the price of freedom. Let me tell you folks why I love America. Because a great price was paid for us to live in this nation, that's why. By the way, we ought to be educated about that, amen? And by the way, you're not going to get much, much education just by going to Google... You need to you need to look at real sources of education and understand, folks, the price that was paid for this nation. And let me tell you, secular history would have you believe that our forefathers were a bunch of haters, a bunch of racists, uh, a bunch of people that shouldn't be looked to and admired. Nothing could be further from the truth. A price was paid for us to live here. And let me tell you something, you ought to love America because of that. Number two, you ought to love America. And why I still love America, because of the foundation that was laid. Number one, the price that was paid. Number two, the foundations that were laid. Again, despite what the liberals and God-haters try to say, our country was founded upon the one and only true God of the Bible. I found a book in my office I didn't even know I had. It's called One Nation Under God, America's Christian Heritage. And I was flipping through that book yesterday. And, uh, of course, i it's not a huge book, but it's about 78 pages. I don't obviously have time to read uh, most of it or, or hardly any of it. But here's a few excerpts from that book that talks about our Christian heritage and how we were founded. How about this name, Samuel Adams? And by the way that's not the name of some stupid beer okay uh, that's that's actually one of our founding fathers he was known as the father of the American Revolution Samuel Adams organized the famous Boston Tea Party a landmark uh, event that sparked the war of independence with Great Britain by the way you realize that uh, our forefathers because of a taxation of about if i if i if i remember reading right of only 3% Said that's too much. We're not paying that kind of tax. What in the world have we allowed our government to do to us? Amen. He formed the 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 committees of correspondence, which organized the colonists to actively resist the authority of the British government. A cousin of John Adams, Samuel Adams, was a signer of the Declaration of Independence, and he called the First Continental Congress. He served in, in the Congress until 1781. Adams was a steadfast Christian. In his work, The Rights of the Colonists, which was circulated in 1772, Adams boldly asserted this, the right to freedom being the gift of the Almighty, the rights of the colonists as Christians may be best understood by reading and carefully studying the institutions of the great lawgiver and head of the Christian church, which are to be found clearly written and and, uh, uh, promulgated in the New Testament. Amen? Amen. As the Declaration of Independence was being signed in 1776, Samuel Adams declared this, We have this day restored the sovereign to whom all men ought to be obedient. He reigns in heaven, and from the rising to the setting of the sun, let His kingdom come. Adams wrote these words in his last will and testament. Uh, principally, and first of all, I resign my soul to the Almighty Being who gave it and my body. I commit to the dust, relying on the merits of Jesus Christ for the pardon of my sins. That was one of our founding fathers. The Continental Congress The Continental Congress of the original 13 colonies of what would become the United States of America was established to resist the unfair tax practices and uh, and, and the tyranny laws and policies imposed on the colonies by Great Britain. On September the 6th, 1774, less than two years before the colonies formally declared independence from Great Britain, the Continental Congress made its first official act a call for prayer. And on May 16, 1776, the Continental Congress appointed an official uh, national day of fasting and prayer for the colonies. Think about that—an official May the 16th, 1776, was an official day proclaimed by the by the then government of the day of fasting and prayer. The Congress, here's what it says, desirous to have people of all ranks and degree duly impressed with a solemn sense of God's superintending providence and of their duty devoutly to rely on his aid and direction, do you earnestly recommend Friday, the 17th of May, be observed by the colonies as a day of humiliation, fasting and prayer, that we may with united hearts confess and be well our manifold sins and transgressions. And by sincere repentance and amendment of life appease God's righteous displeasure and through the merits and meditation of Jesus Christ obtain this pardon and forgiveness. We're talking about our forefathers. By the way, this was long before the days of Hollywood. Amen? Amen? This was long before the days of the rock and roll crowd. This was long before the days of what in our minds are the current vices of the land. You know what our forefathers realized? That they had sin that needed to be repented of. Amen? And if they had it, we had it as well. The Continental Congress on, uh, says on July 13, 1787, the Continental Congress passed an ordinance for the government of the territory of the United States. This law was passed again by the United States Congress and signed into the law by President George Washington on August 4th, 1789. Here here was the article 3. Religion, morality, and knowledge being necessary to good government and happiness of mankind, schools, and the means of education shall be forever encouraged. I wonder what our forefathers would think of what we have become as modern-day America. By the way, again, folks, I'm not here to highlight the problems of our country, but we have strayed from the foundations that have been laid. And I'm trying to show you through reading a few excerpts from this book, folks, the fact that we were founded as a Christian nation. You know why America, uh, one of these days, is going to cease to exist? Because we've strayed from the foundations on which this country was founded. By the way, it was founded to be a Christian nation. And if it's anything else, it's not going to work. One more, one more uh, uh, reading here from a man, of course, you know him as uh as the um he was the first um secretary of the treasury, and his name was Alexander Hamilton. He's on some of our money, a signer of the Constitution and one of America's most prominent founding fathers. He he was the author of 51 of the 85 Federalist Papers, which powerfully made the case for ratifying the Constitution. Shortly after the Constitutional Convention of 1787, here's what Hamilton stated. For my own part, I sincerely esteem it a system with, listen to this, for with without the finger of God never could have been suggested and agreed upon by such a diversity of interest. Listen folks, our founding fathers were not perfect men. They all disagreed. They all had squabbles. They all had opinions just like everybody has today. How in the world could they have come up with that phenomenal document? In my opinion, next to the Bible is one of the most phenomenal documents ever penned. How in the world could they have come up with that? And by the way, is still guiding our country 246 years later. How could that have been except with without the divine hand of God? By the way, our forefathers understood that. They realized that. Here's what Hamilton said. I've carefully examined the evidence of the Christian religion. And if I was sitting as a juror upon its authenticity, I would unhesitantly give my verdict in its favor. I can prove its truth as clearly as any proposition ever submitted to the mind of man. Amen? And again, folks, these were our forefathers. So why is it, and I wish I had time to read this all this book to you, it's filled with our forefathers and their devotion to God. It's filled with the fact that they understood something, that this country could only work if it was founded upon the unshakable foundation of God and His Word. And by the way, it was. Amen? So why should we still love America. We should love it, of course, first of all, because of the price that was paid. Second of all, we ought to still love it because of the foundations that were laid. Third of all, we ought to love America because of the opportunities that are made. Where else can you go and have the opportunities you have in America? Where else can you go? I know we aren't a perfect nation. We, of course, have our problems. But listen to this, folks. I'd rather have America than any other nation on this planet. By the way, in case you've got this in your mind, in, in case you feed upon the communist news network and all the other stupid liberal media outlets, capitalism is not our problem. Okay? By the way, that's why we have the things we have and live like kings compared to the most of the world. If you think socialism's a good idea, why don't you go live in a country where socialism prevails and then come and say if it's a good idea or not? Countries like Venezuela who at one time was a capitalistic society with massive exports of oil and other goods until they got a dictator who got the bright idea of socialism so he could become rich off the backs of the people and now Venezuela is a country that most people can't even afford to eat there because of the what socialism does. By the way, understand our history. Socialism was first tried by the pilgrims when they came and you know what they found out? It didn't work it wasn't until William Bradford realized this, this flawed system, and you know what it did? It made strong men lazy, and they decided to let every man earn his own way, grow his own food, and take care of his own family. You know what that's called? Capitalism. And you know what? If you're willing to work harder and work longer, you could have more. Before long, you know what you know What they found out? Food was plenteous. Industry was beginning. And the foundation was laid for the capitalistic society that we enjoy today. And again, folks, listen to me. Do not fall for this lie that capitalism is somehow a bad thing. By the way, people that are spouting that, they're enjoying the results of capitalism in their very own lives. Now, let me tell you what the problem is. Uh, You know what? They want to be a ruling class, and they want everybody else underneath them and their thumb of rule. And you know what they understand? You can't have that if you have capitalism. In fact, capitalism in America brought these amazing inventions to the world. And again, I don't even have time to list them all. Here's a few of them. aerosol paint. Amen? How about this one? Air conditioning. Praise God for that. Okay? Maybe if you've had to experience this, you're thankful for it. The airbag, amen. Uh, symbol or uh, was uh, uh, invented in America. The assembly line, the ATM safety pin software barcode readers, ballpoint pens, barbed wire, breakfast cereal, bubble gum, bubble wrap, bulldozers, cable ties, calculators, candy apple, amen, uh, candy corn, a carpet sweeper, um, uh, cash register, clothes hangers, clothes pins, Coca-Cola, how about this, the Colt 45, amen. amen. Listen, I just stopped there because I could list hundreds of things that came because of capitalism in America. Because of opportunities that were made. Now listen, I'm not just talking, although I have for a few moments, about monetary opportunities. I'm also talking about spiritual opportunities. To know and worship God without fear of persecution or arrest. Listen to me, nobody this morning gave one thought to the fact that if I come to church this morning, the government might break down the door and arrest me. You know why you didn't think about that? Because you live in America, that's why. Yep. By the way, you know a lot of our brothers, brothers and sisters are, are, can't say that or think that when they're meeting on the Lord's Day. In fact, a lot of them right now are meeting in fear, underground, persecution. You know why? Because they don't have the freedom we have here in America. Let me tell you something, folks. Opportunities are made because of this great land we're living in. And again, I'm not just talking about opportunities to make money. I'm talking about opportunities to do things for God that, you know what, would never be able to be done in a lot of other places. For example, just this idea of uh, of radio... And what we're able to do with some technology, reaching into parts of the world where you know what would never hear, uh, where, where, where missionaries can't legally go, but because of things like radio and things of that sort, coming out of America are reaching places. Amen. And so, why should we still love America? Because of the price that was paid, the foundation that was laid, the opportunities that are made. Now, folks, let me say this: along with these great freedoms I'm talking about this morning, come great responsibilities. Let me just say this, as Christians, we have a patriotic responsibility to our nation. By the way, let me say this, America is worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for. Ronald Reagan said, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. Let me tell you something. This country's worth fighting for and we better get in the battle. Amen. Now here's the message this morning. I gave you some things to think about about our nation. But here's really the message this morning. What is a Christian's patriotic responsibility to America? By the way, we have one. We have some. Amen. We have patriotic responsibilities to our nation. We have responsibilities that our forefathers laid out for us that, you know what, they expected to be handed down from generation to generation by the way, what everybody else chooses to do with it, it's on them. But you know what? We can make personal choices to decide to be the Christian patriots we ought to be for this country. What is it God expects from us when He looks at us? And by the way, with the responsibility of living in America, yes, it's a privilege to live in this nation, but it's also a responsibility. What does God expect? Number one, we've already talked about this. We talked about it a few weeks ago when we talked about Lot. But number one, as a Christian, your patriotic responsibility to America is to live a righteous life. To live a righteous life. Let me show you a verse here. Take your Bibles. You're not too far from there. Flip over to the book of Proverbs. You're in the book of Psalms, at least you should be, from where our text verse was. Proverbs, chapter 14. I want you to look at this Bible principle. By the way, it was true then, it's still true today. Proverbs chapter 14. I want you to look at verse 34. Notice what the Bible says. Amen? In fact, I want you to read this verse with me together out loud. We don't normally do that, but we're going to do it this morning. Amen? Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34. Alright, you're there? Let's read it together. Ready, begin. Righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. What is it that the Bible says exalts a nation, church? Righteousness. Amen. You know what that means? Doing right according to the Word of God. Not doing right according to a popular opinion. Not like they did in the book of Judges. Every man doing right in their own eyes, but doing right according to God's standard. Amen. By the way, our forefathers had that figured out. Amen. Righteousness exalteth a nation. You know what that means for us? It means this. We as Christians have a responsibility, a patriotic responsibility to America to live a righteous life. By the way, if our nation's gonna be lifted up and made high, it's only gonna be done through righteousness. Not politics, not political parties, not some ecumenical prayer breakfast, but righteousness. That's what the Bible says. By the way, is that not what God was looking for when Abraham was pleading for the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, like we talked about a couple weeks ago? Was that not the staying factor when judgment was sure to come on the nation of Israel? I just read about this week uh, a man named Josiah. Josiah, you can find his um, his story in the book of Second Kings, also the book of Second Chronicles. Josiah is a very interesting man. Josiah began to reign when he was just eight years old, and uh, the reason he reigned so young because of his wicked uh, his wicked father and wicked grandfather. God killed him. His father was Amnon. His grandfather was the, even the more wickeder king Manasseh. And by the way, you read about Manasseh. Because of Manasseh's acts, God promised judgment upon the nation of Israel. Josiah was the grandson of Manasseh, the son of a man named Amnon. By the way, if you look at his family line, it didn't look like he had much of a chance. But yet, Josiah was a young man who got serious with God and and lived a righteous life. Here's what the Bible says about it in 2 Chronicles. Listen to these verses. As for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, so shall you say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which thou hast heard, Because thine heart was tender, and thou didst humble thyself before God, when thou heardest his words against this place, and against the inhabitants thereof, and humblest thyself before me, and didst rend thy clothes, and weep before me, I have heard thee also, saith the Lord. Behold, I will gather thee to thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered to thy grave in peace. Neither shall thine eyes see all the evil that I will bring upon this place, upon the inhabitants of the same. So they brought the king word again. Listen, folks, God was ready to drop judgment upon Israel and Judah because of their sin. By the way, what was the sin that God was going to judge them for so severely? Because Manasseh, the Bible said, caused innocent blood to be shed in the streets. Innocent blood. By the way, what's one of the sins that America will be judged for? The shedding of innocent blood. Let me say this, Josiah, because of his seriousness with God, because of his righteous life, he didn't stop the judgment, but he postponed the judgment. He postponed it. By the way, all of his kingdom benefited from his righteousness. By the way, folks, I wonder this, okay? And again, I'm not going to get real dark here, but let's just be truthful for a minute, okay? Just like Israel and Judah were deserving of God's judgment, America's deserving of God's judgment. But I don't know about you, I don't want to see it. I don't pray for it. I don't want to see it happen in my lifetime. I don't want to see it to happen in my kid's lifetime. I don't want to see it to happen in my grandkids' lifetime. I don't know how long God's willing to postpone judgment But all I say is this, I want to make sure on my watch as a Christian, I do everything I can to postpone it as long as God's mercy will allow. And you know how we do that? By living a righteous life. I'm not saying you're perfect. None of us are perfect. Okay? I'm not saying you never mess up. I'm not saying you're never not going to sin. But let me say this, we ought to be consistent and clean before God. That means the fact that, you know what, we start making decisions based upon what the Bible has to say, what God thinks, not what we think, not what we want to do. I don't know about y'all, I'm under conviction right now. Amen? You know why? Because I don't always make decisions that way. I should, I want to, but I don't. Let me tell you something, folks. Every time we choose to make decisions based upon what God thinks, what the Bible says, we're taking steps of righteousness. And by the way, that pleases God. Because what exalts a nation? Righteousness exalts a nation. And listen, folks, I'm not talking about the world. The world's the world. They're not going to live righteously, okay? The heathens aren't going to be righteous. okay? The baby killers and the perverts aren't going to be righteous. You know who God's looking to? He's not looking to that crowd to withhold judgment. He's looking to His people, amen? He's looking to congregations just like White River Baptist Church. People who claim to love God, follow God, By the way, he wants to know if we're serious about living that kind of life. Or are we just playing a game? Amen. I'm going to tell you something, folks. It does matter how you live. It matters how I live. You know why? Because righteousness, God exalts a nation through righteousness. And then the second part of that verse, but sin is a reproach to any people. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. You know what breaks down a nation? Sin breaks down a nation. Amen. And again, I'm not going to dive into that part of it. So what is our responsibilities as a Christian patriot? Number two, or I'm sorry, number one, we must, uh, live righteously. Number two, we must fight to protect our foundations. Here's another verse the Bible says in Psalms chapter 11, verse three. You don't have to turn there, but here's what the Bible says. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? It's a question. It's a state, uh, it's a question with a, with a, uh, a thought-provoking result to it. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? You see, folks, the enemies are stacked deep, taking shots at the very things that have upheld this nation in its 246 year history. There comes a point in time that, you know what, it's too late. And according to the verse we just read, that line is crossed when the foundation is destroyed. We understand something, that the strength of the structure is in the foundation. Right? you got to have the walls. you got to have the roof. But none of that's going to matter if the foundation isn't right. And, folks, there ought to be some things that, you know what, we ought to be fighting for. That's the foundation of this nation. Obviously, first and foremost, it's the foundation of the Word of God. I gave you that those examples earlier of how that we were founded as a Christian nation upon the word of God. By the way, we weren't founded on the Quran, we weren't founded on the Book of Mormon, we were uh, not founded on any other supposed religious book of the religions around the world. This country was founded on the King James Holy Bible. Amen. Amen. That's what it was founded on. By the way, if you go to our nation's capital and you were able to look into the uh, um The stone that was set, the foundation stone of the Washington Monument. You know what you'd find in that foundation stone of the Washington Monument? You'd find two documents. You'd find a copy of the Constitution, and you'd find also a copy of the King James Bible. In the very founding of our country. Amen? And you know what our forefathers were making a statement about? Hey, this country's not like other countries. This country's founded on something special, and that's the Word of God. How do we protect the foundation of the Word of God? First of all, we protect it by preaching it from the pulpits of our churches. Amen. I was appalled. I read a, a uh, it was actually an advertisement of a church in this community, not that very, not far from where we're at. And you know what they promoted for their July sermon series? Not lying to you. You look, you can find it. Here's what they promoted: uh, life lessons from the top five Hollywood movies. Not lying. Look for it. You'll find it. That's what they're promoting. That's what they think they're going to preach, and, or not even preach, or talk about, or whatever those kind of pastors do. I don't even know what they do. I've never been to one of their churches. Never plan on going to one of their churches. Let me tell you, folks, we don't need man's opinion. We, we for dead sure, don't need any lessons from Hollywood, amen? Right? You know what we need? We need preaching from the Word of God. That's what we need. And we need to protect that foundation by preaching it from the pulpits of our churches. We need to protect that foundation by putting it to practice in our homes. Listen, folks, why do we even preach? Why do we even spend the time to read the Bible, study the Bible, just so we can say, I read the Bible today. No, so we can make it practical and live it out in our lives. Amen? And we need to protect the foundation by proclaiming its message to a lost and dying world. Amen? Because that's what's going to change a heart. That's what's going to change a life. And that's why we got to uh protect the foundation of the word of God. Number 2, we got to protect the foundation of marriage. Marriage. Marriage isn't just an American founda- uh, an American foundation, it's a foundation of the very essence of human societies everywhere. It's the first institution established by God. So it's no wonder the devil is determined to destroy it. Did you ever think you'd see a time when people seem so confused on what it means to be a man or a woman and what it means to get married? I mean, where are the biology teachers at? I mean, what is wrong with this society, folks? By the way, you know what? If Christians are for marriage, and we want to uphold the foundation of marriage, you know what we must do? We must apply Bible principles to have the right kind of marriage. One of the most practical things you can do is to have the kind of marriage that exemplifies what a biblical marriage is supposed to be. And I'm not going to get into teaching on marriage this morning. I've done it before. My wife and I have done some of that through our Bible study uh, that we've been having uh, uh, throughout the month. But let me just say this, alright? Those of us that are married, we need to have a biblical marriage. We ought to do it for, number one, how about this? Your own personal benefit. I mean, come on, folks, listen. Let's be honest here, okay? Marriage can either be the way God intended for it to be heaven on earth or it can be hell on earth based upon whether or not we choose to obey the Word of God. And you know what? You talk to some of these dear senior saints that are are in this room that have been married for decades. Amen? And you know what they'll tell you? Uh, They'll tell you the reason that they're still together, the reason they're still in love, the reason they're uh, still uh, enjoying being around one another. Amen? All right? I always look at Brother Bob and Sister Louise when I say that. Amen? And some others in this room as well. well. Hopefully every marriage in this room. Amen? All right? But you know what? Applying Bible principles. And let me tell you, we must exemplify that. Yes, number one, for our own personal benefit, but we also must give our children an example to look to. I mean, come on, folks, they're not going to learn about the right kind of marriage by watching TV. I can tell you that. They're not going to learn, I tell you, they ain't going to learn it from the public school system. They're not going to learn it by looking out in the world today. You know how they're going to learn what is right, how to have the right kind of marriage? They ought to be looking at mom and dad, that's why. Because mom and dad apply Bible principles where the, the, the dad is the, uh, the head of the home, loves his wife the way Christ loved the church, loves his wife as he loves himself. And we talked about it in Sunday school this morning. We talked about the word reverence. And then mama gets behind daddy, reverences her husband, loves her husband, submits to her husband as the godly wife God wants for her to be. Okay, and by the way, those that apply those principles have happy marriages. Those that don't, don't. Okay? And I'm gonna tell you, if, 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 even as Christians, if we do it our way instead of God's way, listen, we're not protecting that divine institution called marriage. We're, we're contributing to its demise. Amen? And so I'm just telling you, it's important, amen? We must protect those foundations. The, the foundation of the Word of God, the foundation of marriage, and how about this, the foundation of freedom. Freedom is the basis for the founding of this great nation. It's the defining factor of America that has made other people want to leave their homes to come here for a better chance at life. By the way, folks, people die, die on a daily basis trying to get to this country. What a tragedy. We heard of this this last week or so, of those those folks that were trying to get into this country, and because of just wickedness and, and people's greed, and uh, the, the, those tragic folks passed away, died in that semi trailer are trying to get to this country. If this country is so bad the way the liberals say it is, why are people dying to come? Okay, let me tell you, you know why? Because of freedom, that's why. There's, there's hardly uh, just a few uh, countries in the world that enjoy the freedom America enjoys, amen? Listen, they, 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 most countries think we're crazy. They think we're the Wild West because of our Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. By the way, you know what? Uh, I know there's tragedy that comes to that, but guess what? Uh, We ought to understand the reason that our forefathers put that in our Constitution. Amen? And the only reason our government is not a total tyrannical takeover right now is because of our Second Amendment right. That's why they're doing everything they can to undermine it. That's why they hate our Supreme Court right now for the decisions they've been handing down because it undermines what they're trying to do to destroy this country. Freedom. Amen? The, the, The famous poem, by Emma Lazarus, who wrote this poem about the Statue of Liberty, by the way, it was gifted by uh, to our country from France. It's called "The New Colossus." Here's what it said: "Not like the brazen giant of Greek fame, with conquering limbs astride from land to land, here at our sea war sunset gates shall stand." A mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning in her name. Mother of exiles from her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome her mild eye's command. The air-bridged harbor that twice cities frame. Keep ancient lands your storied pomp, cries she, with silent lips, listen to this, with silent lips, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. And again, folks, you know why people have paid the price they have paid? Because of freedom. Listen, folks, freedom, by the way, is not just doing anything you want to do because you think it's right. That's not freedom. What we think of freedom, listen, folks, freedom is not the right to please ourselves, but it's the opportunity to do what is right. That's what true freedom is. And as Christians, we got to fight for that freedom. And by fighting, I'm not talking about going on a shooting rampage in government buildings and blowing up things. I'm talking about being the preserving factor of salt and light that God would look to to bless this nation. I'm talking about being the Christian that God wants us to be so His blessing can come back upon America. We sing the song, God Bless America. But listen, God can't bless America if Christians aren't obeying the Bible when it comes to Him blessing America. I believe every time a Christian impacts this world for Jesus Christ... He's helping to shore up and protect the very foundation of freedom on which we are founded. So what are our patriotic uh, uh, responsibilities to America? We ought to re- live a righteous life. We ought to fight to protect our foundation. And last of all, very quickly, we need to be involved in with our leaders. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about our responsibilities to those that represent us as leaders. You know, the Bible says, and I don't have time to go through all this, but uh, the Bible says we ought to pray for our leaders. Here's what, here's what he says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, for all that are in authority that we may lead, lead, lead a quiet, peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. Listen, folks, we have a responsibility to pray for our leaders. Here's how I pray for our leaders. I pray first of all that if they're not saved, they'll get saved. By the way, there's more saved uh, leaders out there than you think there are. Okay, there are some out there, amen. Now, they're not in the majority, but there are some that are out there. We are to pray for them. Not only that, the Bible says we are to show them honor. Uh, Romans chapter 13, verse 7. Render, therefore, to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom's custom, fear to whom here, honor to whom honor. Amen. And I know sometimes that's not very easy, but that's what the Bible says to do. And then last of all, because of our, of our type of government. By the way, listen to me, I get sick and tired of people saying democracy. This is not a democracy, this is a constitutional republic. When we pledge that flag, we don't say for the democracy, to the democracy for which it stands. No, what's it said? To the republic for which it stands. Our opportunity to elect people to represent us. Man, study your history. Know what history is, Amen. And you know, let me tell you something. We got the privilege to elect our leaders. You know what we've got to do as Christians, and we got to get out there and we got to uh, do our part. We got to vote. Amen. By the way, they tell us uh, that the, uh, uh, based upon these statistics, these were from a few years ago and may not be quite the same, but I believe it's close. That what they consider evangelicals—that's people who claim to be a Christian. I know that's a little bit of a broad net, but people who claim to be a Christian—we make up 35 percent of the voting block. You know what that you know what that is? The largest voting block of any people group in America. Let me tell you, if that were true and Christians were true to what they say they are, we would have no problems getting electing the right people into office. Amen? Now listen, folks, this is our country. This is our country God's given us. God's allowed us to be born here as America, as Americans, and live in this country. Listen to me, as Christians, we can't afford to sit on the sideline as we watch our nation go to hell in a handbasket and do nothing about it. We can't afford to do that. Listen to me, folks. We have got to do our part. By the way, the devil and his crowd, they're doing something. They're busy about it, amen? They're busy about trying to do the things they, to get their agenda pushed through. Listen, if they're busy destroying, we ought to be busy fighting and protecting. Amen? Now listen, here's the question. Will you and I be the Christian American patriot God wants for us to be? If you think you still love America, then you know what? Take up the challenge to be what God wants you to be as a Christian. Just the things we talked about. I tried to make it very practical for you. Amen? Listen, what does God want us to do as as, as Christians? He wants for us to live a righteous life. Listen, that begins with individual choices in all of our lives. He wants for us to help to fight to protect the foundations. Amen. And he wants us to be involved with our leaders. And so listen, folks, you know what? The choice is up to you. What kind of country are we going to have to hand down to our children and grandchildren if we don't get serious about being what God wants for us to be? Now listen, I'm not a prophet. Okay. I've never claimed to be. I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a foreteller. I'm a fourth teller. Okay. I proclaim what God's already said, what God's already established. What I'm to say is this, amen? I don't know how much time this country has left, but if this thing goes down, I want to go down fighting, amen? amen. Fighting for right, because it's worth fighting for. What a great nation we live in. And listen, I hope you, I hope you love America, I hope you still love America. By the way, again, don't, don't fall for this stupid lie that's being pushed out there that it's somehow wrong to be proud to be an American, that's somehow a shame for you to stand up and say that you love your country and you're thankful for it. That somehow that's, there's something wrong with that. No, let me tell you what's wrong. It's, lo- it's wrong for us not to love our country. It's wrong for you not to think this is the greatest nation on planet earth. That doesn't make me prejudiced against other people. It just makes me thankful to God that I'm an American. Amen? So again, folks, let's, uh, let, 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 let's uh, uh, get some of this wicked philosophy out of our mind and get back to what God wants for us to be. And let's love our country the way God would have for us to. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight, uh, this morning, God. We thank you for, the, for all you do for us, God. We thank you for this great nation you allow us to live in. And God, I uh, want to stand here and publicly say, Lord, I've already said it to, uh, several times, but I want to say it again. Lord, thank you for allowing me to be an American. Thank you, Lord, for this great country that you've allowed me to be born into. God, I didn't get to choose that. You chose that for me. Lord, I pray that I will not take for granted the Lord, the privilege and the responsibility to be the Christian, patriotic American you'd have for me to be. And Lord, I pray that you'd stir our hearts. God, help us to do everything we can to fight for the things that are right. God, help us to, Lord, be the preserving factor of the nation. Lord, not part of the reason why you have to destroy a nation. And Lord, I pray that you'd prick our hearts this morning through this invitation time. We ask it in Jesus' name, Amen. Let's all stand